0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Joining me today is Jennifer Hungate, president of our local NAWIC chapter, which is the National Association of Women in Construction and vice president of Robert F Highland and Sons which is a full service general contracting firm based out of Rochester New York and verified by the Center for Veteran Enterprise as a service disabled veteran owned small business Whew. <laughs> that's a lot of letters for an acronym <laughs> Jen has been in the industry for 15 plus years thank you for joining us today Now tell me how you find yourself in the construction industry and filling these challenging roles.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me tonight. Super honored. Um, So yeah, construction. I've been in the industry for, as you, professionally, 15 plus years, but a lot of people don't know that I grew up in the industry, um, you know, raised by parents who are very blue collar, Uh, My father uh, worked at Kodak his whole life, and side work, he did drywall. So starting out around seven or eight, I would go to job sites with him. I would help sweep, pick up nails, and kind of just dove right in. And my mother is also in the industry. She, uh, when I was about 13, flew out to Colorado for a golf trip, fell in love with it, and decided that was going to be for her forever home. And so she started a painting company that's grew exponentially. And I remember going out there through high school and junior high every summer and I would help out on job sites and I would paint. Um, I feel as though she gave me the worst jobs. Um, But it definitely taught me a lot that, you know, hard work definitely does pay off. Um, But it also gave me the drive to wanna go to school and pursue what my passion was, was construction. I loved being on the job sites growing up and watching these houses being built from the ground up. And it was just really exciting. Um, So I knew that that's where I wanted to be, but I didn't quite know how to get there. So um, through high school, um, guidance counselors would always push me to take courses that I didn't necessarily feel that I wanted. I wanted to take those shop classes. I knew that I wanted to be in engineering. So there was a course that I asked my parents to pay for. It was principles of engineering. And it was a senior course where we got college credits. And from there, I learned how to frame a wall, hang drywall, run electrical. And I was in heaven. Um, But a lot of my friends in school, they were taking home ec and music and art. And I just, me personally, it wasn't my thing. Um, I value it. I think it's great that people do it. Just wasn't for me. So from there on, of course, my parents weren't thrilled that I said I wanted to pursue a career in construction. I think they always envisioned their, their little girl to be a nurse or a teacher or whatever parents decide they want their, parent, their child to be when they're little. Um, but no, nope, their little girl wanted to wear construction boots and a hard hat. So uh, I ended up going to MCC for one year just to obviously make sure that this was what I wanted to do. Um, Took a very generic uh, uh, undecided engineering course, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, As I said, I was only at MCC for one year, and then I transferred over to RIT, where I enrolled in, at the time, the the program was, um, oh shoot, it was engineering science, um, where I, uh, civil engineering technology, and it was it was eye-opening, I was amazed at the courses that I was gonna take. Um, my my advisor at the school was a woman and to me that was amazing. Um, Marine was, her just her history, her husband was in the military and she traveled all over with him but she still pursued her career. Every city she went to she was estimating, took any engineering job she could because that was her passion. And I think she was the first woman that I met that I realized I could still be a mother and have my career, and it was it was it was great. Um, took a lot of uh, extracurricular activities over at RIT. I joined the concrete canoe team. Um, yes, concrete canoe. Concrete can float. I'm laughing. I'm like if I were, if I saw that as my as like a, a
0: extracurricular. Uh, campus enrichment. I, I would probably jump on that too. It's a very compelling it, name.
1: It was so much fun. Like we got to be in the, the soils lab, we called it, and we got dirty and we, we made samples just to see the buoyancy of the different um, concretes that we came up with. And you actually put these on. We were um, It was so cold, but I remember we were practicing on the Genesee River um, over by it, somewhere by the campus, there was a boat launch, and a lot of the crew teams practiced there. And here we are in this concrete canoe, and we passed the crew teams, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I met a lot of friends, um, and it was just a great experience. Um, I do
0: think um, that RIT does a great job with their kind of immersive um, and like tangible experiences they give the students.
1: Yes. And, and honestly, what I loved about being on campus is part of the requirement is you have to do uh, internships and they have to be paid internships. So I feel like RIT definitely prepares the students to enter the workforce. You're not just they're not there just to kind of take your money, hand you a piece of paper and say, OK, good luck. Like they yeah. actually train their students and they make sure that they are getting qualified internships that are actually going to make them employable. So while I wasn't there, I took, took on five different internships. And one of the best pieces of advice I got from one of my professors was try to take a position at a different company each time and make sure it's a different kind of company so you can see the, the variety of what you can do with your degree. So my very first internship, I knew I wanted to be out in the field. So I took a survey for a site survey company. And that was that was fun for about a week (laughs) and then I realized that you survey in all types of weather doesn't matter if it's raining or snowing and you're generally in areas that aren't the nicest because you're you're trying to prepare for a construction site you're not on a prepared site already so we were in the woods a lot and it was cold and muddy and wet so I realized right off the bat okay I don't want to be a surveyor what's next Um, my next position, I believe I took was an estimator for a site contractor. And that was, that was great. Um, it was funny. I walked into my interview and I was dressed in a suit and heels and I thought I looked great. Well, a site contractor, he's wearing overalls and boots. So I was very overdressed. Um, a lot of the guys in the office got a chuckle out of it, but I thought, you know, I was trying to be professional. So I learned a lot as far as what really civil engineering was in construction. Well, the culture um, around it as well, it seems. It's so different. Um, they're very just laid back people. And I I love it. Like no one is trying hard. But they're, they're just um, hardworking people and they take pride in what they do. Um, yeah. And a little background. So Jen
0: and I know each other because I'm also based in Rochester, New York. And, uh, we met at a, uh, NAWIC event and I found that the members of NAWIC are incredible. And so Rochester, um, RIT is Rochester Institute of Technology and MCC is, um, our community college here. And I have experienced, uh, both programs. I kind of like dip my toe into, um, the RAT program, but then did nearly, I nearly finished the interior design program at MCC, but then pivoted into construction technology because I was, I was done with um, paint samples at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I had gotten to the point where I was being taught Revit in my interior design program while, and then when I was in the CIT program, they were teaching AutoCAD. So it was, I felt like there was a disparity there. And uh, I knew that if I wanted to get into the industry in the space that I wanted to occupy, I needed to know how to use Revit, but I needed to know how to use it with a builder's mentality. And that's why I thought RIT was fantastic is because they're, they're they're getting their students like immersed into actual construction experience. So, right, Jen and I met at a NAWIC event, and you weren't the president at the time.
1: No, I and wasn't. And
0: um... you are now. <laughs> how, like, what yeah. is your role there?
1: And how did you get involved? So I'm I got involved with Naywick while I was interning for the town of DPW. And I was site surveying again. <laughs> and the town supervisor had um, or inspector, he had taken me around to look at a couple different job sites. And he said, you know what? I want I want you to meet somebody. And I said, okay. And he's like, there's this woman named Pat Hines. And I was like, who's Pat Hines? And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So we pull up into this building out in Fairport and it's Heinz Concrete. And I'm like, oh, well, it's clearly, you know, it's her husband. And I, I feel horrible that that was exactly where my thought was, but I did. So I walk in and I'm with him and we go to this massive office. And here is this maybe five foot older woman. She had to be like 65 years old. And she introduces herself to me as Pat Hines. And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jen Hungate, you know, or I'm sorry, Jennifer Hill at the time. Wow. (laughs) And uh, so she explains to me, you know, she, her and her husband, well, mainly her, they started this concrete company and they were one of the first companies in Rochester that had a slip form machine for sidewalks. And so that really got their company, um, that, that really took them right right through the industry and just uh, set them apart from all the other con- concrete companies. And to me, it was fascinating that here's this woman who has been in this industry her whole life. She has, um, her, her and her husband work together, her sons work there, and she was telling me about Nayle. And she goes, have you heard of NAWC? And I didn't, I hadn't, of course. And she said that there's this network of women in Rochester who are all in construction. And she goes, I would love to sponsor you and come to one of our meetings. So I said, okay. I I was free one night and I went and I was welcomed by all these women that I didn't even know were in the industry. All these women, different companies, mechanical, electrical, site, um, architects, engineers, they were all there. It was just amazing and almost inspiring. It was really inspiring to be in a room full of all these women who essentially are gonna have the same issues that you do with your your jobs so it it was nice to see that and uh pat was very kind as i was a student she offered to pay for my student membership which i will be forever in debt to her Uh, unfortunately um this past year pat did pass away so um we actually now have our scholarship is named after her so it's the Pat Scholarship. so it's it's amazing and um her granddaughter was one of the recipients this year That's awesome. So she's going to follow in her grandmother's footsteps. So we're really excited to see how she, uh, where she goes in her career.
0: Well, I think that having mentors is such a key piece um, of like finding your way through um, a professional environment and like really getting your feet under you. Can you tell the listeners like uh, a little bit about your role at NAWIC and some of the things you would like to see uh, happen with the organization?
1: Yeah. So as chapter president, uh, it is actually my job to, one, make sure that we are enforcing our mission statement, which is basically to promote and educate women in construction, to go out there and teach these young girls that there are possibilities of an not so much a typical job for them, that there is a career outside of this, this industry or standard norms for them, and that we are desperate for, for them to enter these careers. Um, right now, women make up just under 10% of women in the indus- in construction industry. What I am pleased to hear is that I did recently learn that women are paid, there is, there's less of a gender gap pay, With women in construction than there are in other industries. So, with construction, um, there was a survey done, and there is 99 women are paid 99% of what their male co workers are paid, which I found pretty interesting because in other industries, women are paid roughly 80 to 82%. So, at least that the the gender pay gap is <laughs> a lot less. So there's category. less of us, but there it is less comparably. Us. Correct. So at least we're appreciated, those who do enter the field. So that was that was really exciting. But my goal for this year with NAWIC is I would hope to bring on at least five to ten more members. I Rochester is a big city. Currently we have 46 members. I would love to see that. Um, somewhere between 55 to 60, if not more. Um, There's a lot of uh, companies and colleges locally that offer, um, well, RIT being specifically, we're so close that they have a program there, and I've recently reached out to them, and we will possibly be having some networking events involving the students, so hopefully we can at least let the College women know that hey, there is a network out here. When you graduate, or even when you are in school, we're here. Reach out to us if you have questions about your career or concerns. Please, you know, we're here. Your sisters, reach out.
0: Since the listeners in this podcast are not Rochester-based, I think we could say that uh, their network is national.
1: It and is national.
0: There is an opportunity for. Um, for NAWIC chapters across the nation to, um, engage with like the younger, uh, a younger audience, like really get their student membership up. So I love that Rochester is doing that. And that like you as the president, it's like, that's one of the focuses because, uh, it, construction can be intimidating for anyone and to have someone that can, um, just sort of guide you and give you like, you know, some direction as to. Good moves to make, uh, networking. You, um, I think that is the key to any successful pro- professional development. So I love that Newick has has that focus, and I think there is a way for our chapter. We do engage with companies, um, local construction companies, and is that something that you guys are going to get continue to do?
1: Absolutely, we are very fortunate that a lot of the local companies they are sponsoring their. Female employees, they are encouraging them to join NAWIC to attend our monthly meetings. Um, And some of them are even uh, our professional industry speakers. And they're coming in and telling us about projects that are out there that are available to possibly bid on or upcoming projects. Um, We're learning about new technology. Um, Actually, you yourself came to one of our meetings and explained and entered the world of BIM and Revit. Am I correct? Did I say (laughs) that? So that was um, that was really nice, and a lot of a lot of girls didn't realize that that was an opportunity, and and that that was something that they could use in their project. I think a lot of people learned, even myself learned, when you came and scanned my home. Um, I learned that uh, I have very expensive taste.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that little backstory is that Jennifer and I. Um, Jen knew that she wanted to do uh, some modifications to the exterior of her home. And so my team and I went over, we did a laser scan, we got a digital model in place, and then uh, we did a full hearty package with uh, some really fun um, uh, siding profiles and colors. Uh, I love it. It was so much fun to work on and it was really great to see your reaction. Um, and I was really proud of us because we got through that scan pretty quickly.
1: And we got, we got a lot of detail into the, into the plans. And you got it turned around really quickly. Like you made the whole process seamless and easy and it was fun. You having me create almost my inspiration boards was a lot of fun. Um, So I was super excited.
0: Well, and that's what I love about um, kind of the NAWC chapter is that we, we, when you walk into some groups, like you don't know, like uh, you, you don't know people you're trying to get to know. Uh, for me, it was getting to know a new industry. So getting um, one, getting to know everyone in the organization was fantastic. And then having a platform to kind of um, test my presenting skills <laughs> and providing the opportunity for um, my local, my uh, NAWIC uh group to learn about what building information modeling is, what a digital twin can be, like just kind of those, um, you know, long-term digital implementation strategy. Like it was just a really great environment to kind of test that skill. And it was a very friendly environment. So, um it's been fantastic are you facing as we try and develop the NAWIC uh membership or are you finding that you're encountering any like key challenges any things that you'd really like to focus on improving
1: well I've been president for 28 days <laughs> so uh we just recently had our um uh chap- our board meeting and so we kind of created a timeline or um a plan of what we were hoping to see, how we wanted to see the year. So we all made a calendar, and we have meetings planned through December. Unfortunately, with a COVID year, it's kind of hard to foresee what the future is going to look like. You know, are we going to be able to have in-person meetings? Are we not? You know, are people comfortable? So we did do a um, a survey monkey, and what the survey results did show us is that people want in-person meetings. So now we are trying to brainstorm um, how can we have monthly meetings that are both uh, in-person and virtual but also be safe. So we are going to try a networking event in January at the Rochester Builders Exchange um, and there we will we will test it out. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to do speed networking with some people virtual and not virtual, but I think we can create some breakout rooms for people who are virtual and they can kind of do their own speed networking that way. I can say that doing, having,
0: connecting people still is so important. And it is, it is. And that's how we do our business. It's hard. Yeah.
1: Especially, um, so I'm not in sales, but a lot of our members, they are in sales So that is how they make their earning. That's how they make their living. So right now I know it's hard for them to not be able to be in person. So I think a lot of people are very anxious to get back in person and start really networking. So we're hoping NAWIC can help that.
0: It is. It's an important It's an important um, platform that you guys provide uh, and everyone comes to the, pl- the table knowing that that's the, you know, that's the vibe is making sure that um, we can uh, facilitate, you know, those within the organization that um, need to make those connections. Um, so you've had 15 plus years in the industry and I do a little segment called 30 no's. Uh, so I was wondering if you could come up with, you know, what's the best no that you've heard and was it right? Was it wrong? And what did you do to redirect that no and how did it shape who you are today?
1: <sighs> that was a lot of questions.
0: Did you get it all It was that? a
1: lot. Um, no, I did. I did. Um, so I don't know if it was necessarily a no, but it was more or less an opportunity that wasn't given to me per se. So I was about 28, just married and two young babies. And there was a position for a project manager that was just outside of our hometown. It was in Binghamton, New York. So it was about two and a half hours away. And I was a perfect candidate for this position, but I was not offered said position because I, I was told that they thought because I had young children that I wouldn't want it, and I was never asked. So they gave it to someone who I felt was less qualified. Um, so to me, that was almost like the biggest no I had. And in my, I took it as my employer said no for me. That they thought that I, that it, that I either couldn't do it or that you know I was better suited at home. Either way, it really upset me. And it really taught me that I felt like my employer didn't value who I was and what my career goals were. You know, that might have been their thought, but that wasn't how I felt. I wanted the position. My husband was supportive of that. We had two young children, but he knew where my goal was for my future. So that definitely, um, it upset me and what led me to eventually leave the company. It it kind of just another nail in the coffin of, okay, this is why I need to leave. It really is interesting to hear that you have, you
0: actually had that experience that they had made an assumption about Mm -hmm. your, you know, your perspectives and your values and, and that had a huge, I mean, that impacts your livelihood. So Did you take that and move, I mean, I would take that information and be like, I'm going to make it very clear moving forward that if I am applying for a position, I want the position. Didn't think I'd have
1: to do that. Absolutely. (laughs) So, so yes, um, for, I, for after I left there, I had two other positions and I made it very clear with those two positions of where I stood, what I expected from them. And I wanted to also know what they expected from me, you know, was I going to be what they were looking for? Because, you know, obviously I'm working for them, but also I wanted to make sure that I was getting what I wanted out of it. And, you know, to me, you have to be happy with what you're doing for your career. You spend more of your time awake at your job. And if you're not happy doing it, you're going to be miserable. So I consider my work, my second family. It's almost like my second husband. And
0: I, I love it. Well, and that's, what's interesting um, about what you had said is that, so you were 28 when you had that experience Yes, and knowing now what, knowing then what, you know, now I, it is interesting to a lot of young people perhaps might feel uncomfortable being very definitive in um, disclosing what it is they're looking for out of a position, but also like from the leader of the organization that, you know, they're putting an application into. So would you give that advice to young professionals in regards to being direct and setting your
1: expectations, like. Absolutely. Putting out there way early. Oh, absolutely. I think it's better off that you're very honest with your employer who you are, then for them to get used to who you are, and then for you to change. Then so they'll be like, well, where is this coming from? Um, my current position where I'm at now with Highland, I remember when I did, apl- I didn't even really apply, but when I got offered the position, uh, I remember going in for an interview and I sat down with the owner and we're talking and he he asked, you know, do you have any questions for me? And I said, well, kind of, and I said, don't hire me if you aren't okay with me leaving. And he was very like surprised. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, my goal eventually is to be my own boss. I would love to own my own company. And if you're not okay with that, I don't want you to be surprised when I tell you this is my plan. And he was very quiet at first and he just smiled and he goes, I love that you know what you want and that you can say it out loud. And he goes, of course, I want you on my team. He goes, you're honest because you had enough guts to be honest with me and tell me, he goes, those are the kind of people I want employed with me who are going to be open and honest with me. They're not going to tell me what I want to hear. And he goes, you don't even know me. And you told me like, this is what your plan is. So, um, and I knew that was a good fit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great to hear that that was the response. I feel like as an owner of a company, if, you know, you get an opportunity to work with a uh, an individual that has a very clear mind. It forces you as as the owner to really level up, and you know what type of environment can I create that um, that will retain that type of talent and that type of person. Um, you're still there right now, so
1: I, I you must be doing an okay there. job. <laughs> I I tried to quit <laughs> and not because I disliked my company, the company itself. Um, I just had that goal of I wanted to go pursue my own company and, and kind of be my own boss. So he uh, went up to me and offered me a position as a partner and I accepted. Well, at first I was hesitant. Um, I had to think about it because he completely threw my career plan off track like I did I was not prepared for that so I said I need a day to think about it which obviously I came home and talked to my husband about it and we discussed everything and and realized you know it was probably the best idea just to buy into the company and become partner but um, he did throw me for a loop I was not expecting that Oh, man. So I'm very excited that I set the bar high for him. He's like, I'm not losing you. Are you crazy? Apparently.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good owner. And, and what's interesting is, is that like, you know, one of the questions I ask, uh, those that I'm interviewing is like, you know, who, who do you consider like your board of advisors or mentors? Would you, um, say that that's, you know, a position that you have with your current company is that the Robert F I assume. Yes,
1: Robert F. Hyman. And it's funny, his name is not Robert.
0: His name is Donald.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is a mentor to you? Like, do you have others that you lean on? Yes. So I have, um, I think it's important to have multiple mentors and different types of mentors. You don't always want the same mentor in your industry because you need an outside perspective. Um, Donald uh, is a retired state trooper. So even though he is in construction, he was in the military. So I definitely value his opinion and I go to him for all kinds of things. Um, his biggest advice to me is, uh, I'll never forget it. He told me cash is king. You always want cash to make any business decision. Um, so he's saved me a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> and um, he he told me to slow down and enjoy life, that life goes by fast. Um, he, he has three sons and he can't believe that they're all older out of, out of the house, they have their own lives. And you know, I'll come into work and I'm tired sometimes because I have two boys under the age of 11 and they keep me busy. And he, he tells me all the time how jealous he is that I get to live that right now. And I'm looking at him like, I'm exhausted. Um, and then I have um, Michelle who I met um, at the career fair when I was back in college who hired me as an intern who eventually turned into a full-time position she to this day is one of my greatest um, mentors and I talked to her about everything. And it's funny because I feel like she, I've turned into her mentor. So it's, it's I interesting.
0: I've experienced when you have, it's when you get a very mutualistic environment with, you mm-hmm. know, someone that you have as a peer advisor, like, I think that's, I mean, that's the golden ticket when it can be mutually beneficial, um, Especially but, when you're that young and you've matured into a, a role in the construction industry, and you've maintained your your relationship with a mentor, um, and so you'll still turn to her.
1: I still do. The, those two are probably the top two that I call for anything significant, really, career-wise. Um, but of course, you know, I have my friends that I bounce ideas. I've I've called you and and bounced ideas off you before as well, and vice versa. Um, but I, I think it's good to get a couple different perspectives from some people. What
0: are some, what's some good advice that Michelle has given you?
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, she, um, I remember I came to her and, uh, she told me you have to be happy with where you're working. And if you're miserable each day, like if you're not excited to go to work every day, then that's not where you need to be. And, uh, she kind of more or less, um, she kind of helped me feel more confident to leave my job that I was unhappy with. Um, and she supported me the whole way, even though she worked for that company. Um, she knew I wasn't happy and she was hundred percent supportive, did not judge. And um, it was nice to have her, to kind of have her behind me.
0: I, I think that's great. And I love that you've done, you've filled that role for me on a number of occasions. <laughs> So I I remember my the first time I had gone to a Naywick event. um, It was with a mutual friend of ours, and she says to me, "Oh, you have to go. You have to meet Jen um, at this at this event." And I'm like, "Okay, it's a bunch of ladies in construction." I'm so excited, (laughs) and I left that evening just like I found my people. Oh, I found my people. And you can have you showed up at one of the best events, by the way. That was the the guest guest (laughs) bartender. Um, it's pretty awesome. And when I left that evening and I was like, I get to, ha- I get to have like casual conversation. It's about construction with other people that want to hear about construction and have things to talk about construction. Uh, cause to date I had, I had not experienced, uh, being able to have that kind of like peer interaction that,
1: um, didn't get totally sick of like construction chit chat um no i don't think any of us ladies will ever get sick of talking about it um and and we don't always talk about work but it's nice to have another woman who's in the industry who experiences these things you know we're moms and i feel like women put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we do it to ourselves you know we want to be the perfect wife we want to be the perfect mom and the perfect friend and the perfect employee and you know we want to have a very pretty house, and we just juggle so much, and we are our biggest critics. And sometimes it just, we just have to be like, enough. Like we are enough. You know, I if had you a, want to uh, give your kids cereal for dinner? Give them cereal. Let's I did have an
0: experience. My son had um, hot dog for dinner when he was like two, and I was like, <sighs> not for dinner. It was it was breakfast. Oh my gosh, I gave him a hot dog for breakfast. And I had to go through like this mental, like reconciliation, I'm like it's a
1: sausage. So it's okay. But do you think your husband or my husband, that thought goes through their head? They're like, Hey, I fed our kid. It's protein. It's protein. He's going to be huge. <laughs> well, it's interesting. So I have, um I
0: have a couple of different mentors that are in the construction space. One was my uh, CIT professor. Um, and it. Going into uh, a civil technology program and not having um, a lot of commercial construction background, which is what the th- basic, the primary theme of the uh, program is, is, commercial sector. And I had said to her, "I'm like, you know, so part of me just, I, I need to get out there and I need to get some experience." And you know, that's hard. She's like, "You will go into this construction industry, and the bar will be set higher for you. Your." it'll be you'll feel like it's not okay to fail and she's like the the culture of construction industry um is a is is very different it's sort of like yeah you get into the field you fake it till you make it um and you're gonna have to kind of adjust to that because i would say that a majority of women are not comfortable in a fake it till you make it environment they're they're
1: I remember one of my first experiences. So you're, you're right. It is a different culture. And there are rooms called war rooms. And that's their estimating room. And I was like, excuse me. And it's literally called the war room. And I was one of the only female estimators. And the language that came out of their HR would blush. <laughs> but it's just almost like this unsaid rule of, What happens in the war room stays in the war room. And, you know, it's, there's a high stress papers are flying everywhere. You know, you're trying to get this $30 million bid done with. And I remember one of my first experiences and I, I blame myself. I was afraid to ask. Um, I was nervous. I wanted to prove myself that I knew what I was doing. So I was in charge of the door package and it was for the school and there had to have been like 380 doors. And so I gave, the head estimator, my number for labor. And he goes, that sounds off. And I go, well, what do you mean? And he asked me, goes, well, how many continuous hinges do you have? And I was like, well, 500 and some odd doors. And he goes, are you kidding me? Well, I didn't realize the difference between a continuous hinge and a regular hinge. And a continuous hinge is almost like a, a piano hinge where mm-hmm. the door will close on itself. Well, those take at least 10 to 20 screws per door, whereas a regular hinge has three screws per hinge so we're scrounging around and he's yelling at me and i'm like almost in tears going don't cry don't cry don't cry because you're in a room full of all of your co-workers and you don't want to be the you're already the woman then you move the woman who made the mistake and the last thing i want to be is the woman who made the mistake and cried in the, it's the league, of, your, league of their own, own. there's no crying, crying in construction so that that um, that always stuck with me as one of the scariest times. But after that I learned what a continuous hinge was, and I never made that mistake again. <laughs> I think
0: that that, yes, I, I do pride myself on uh, I will make mistakes, but I generally only make them once. That's mm-hmm. That's the goal. And if I can go into the, well, because the other mentor that I have is um, a commercial uh, co- uh, commercial construction manager. And he runs multi million dollar. Uh, he has to audit the bids, he's got to audit the proposals. He's like, you know, and he is the one that said, just do it, take the jump, get into it. You're going to make mistakes, build some contingency around yourself. And, but the important thing is that you won't actually have an opportunity to learn unless you just throw yourself in there. So I had these like, Almost polar opposite uh, advisors, and it was interesting to try and create a pathway that honored both their advice because their advice was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like there were a little there's a little dichotomy there. And well, uh, I, I totally appreciated you know the perspective that they provided me. And I would say that if anybody's out there listening and they're considering getting into construction or they're like a little fearful
1: is just you gotta throw yourself in. You have to, and you're going to make so many mistakes. And as I got older, I realized that the men were making more mistakes than actually I was because I was so nervous to make a mistake that I was triple checking everything where they would do it once and hand it in. Not all men, but I just realized that, like you said, you fake it till you make it. And they were doing that like nobody's business. And And I was oblivious to it all. Well, And now, and then you just, you get the, you get the
0: chops, you know, to, to, you know, get through those, those situations a little bit faster each time. Um, so you have so much experience in the construction industry and there are many people that listen that do not have a construction background. Uh, but my take on the world is that everything is influenced by designer construction. So if, Someone's listening and they wanted, if they had a construction project that they were getting into, do you have any advice you would provide them?
1: Um, So I have it from two different perspectives, just because I've been on both sides. Um, I'd say from an owner's perspective, definitely have your needs separated from your wants. Um, I think those kind of tend to get meshed together sometimes and we get very excited Uh, I recently was that person when you and I were redoing my scan of my home and I was like, oh, I want this and I want this and I want this. Well, yeah, we all want that. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a cost associated with that. So I think a lot of owners need to realize, one, what's your maximum budget? You know, how far, how much are you willing to spend? Um, Really decide what your needs are versus where your wants are. And the designer can do value engineering with you. There's always other options. You know, um, from a, a contractor side, uh, it's very important to have a full understanding of your scope of work and what the owner or your client wants. Um, so I'd, I'd say definitely have a full understanding of the, the read your specs, read your drawings, all the notes on there. Um, because I find that designers or engineers sometimes like to put in little little notes and you just bypass them and you miss them. Um, And also pick the team that you know will get the job done well. And I I think this is hard for some some people. Um, They tend to think just because you have seniority that you're going to be given a job, even though you're not the most qualified. Just recently we had a project um, at one of the city schools, and we had a door. We had the door package. So again, 300 and some on doors were installing, and I had two candidates to put on there to lead the project. And I actually ended up giving it to the one individual who has been with our company for three years versus the individual who's been with the company longer than I have. And I know that he was very upset about it, but I had to make that decision because the newer individual was the best fit for it. He had the more experience when it came to, um, uh, commercial doors and the job has gone smoothly and I no regrets. And I had to have that conversation with the seasoned senior uh, employee, and he understood it. But you know, I at least took the time to sit down and talk to him and explain to him my decision. I didn't have to do that, but um, it definitely made the our work environment a lot more pleasant. And and he didn't have to worry that he was going to lose his job because I brought in you know someone else.
0: That's great. I mean, that, that's great advice. Um, do you, uh, that feeds pretty well into like, what do what you think the top three misconceptions of the construction industry are and how do, we, how do you suggest we overcome
1: those? Um, hmm. I'd say that people tend to think that construction workers are almost like low skill, skill level, which is odd because they have plenty of skills. <laughs> um, and that construction people do not make money. They make a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, We do a lot of prevailing wage work. So our guys make anywhere from $45 an hour to $65 an hour. Um, And that tends to be way more than a lot of people that I know who make. So they make a lot of money. And um, I think the other misconception is that it is a man's world. And I think NAWIC and us women are kind of proving that, you know, it's not a man's world. And we're we're coming. We're going to increase those numbers. We're at 10%. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years, it'll be at 20%. And we know they value uh, us, so
0: paying us. Uh, they,
1: yeah, <laughs> they definitely do value us.
0: I think that that's um, the misconceptions on the construction industry. I totally agree with your with your t- take on that. Um, the level of skill and mastery that is required to get this work done is is really it's, it's, it's difficult to learn because it is, a lot of it seems to be like an apprentice type environment. Um, do you find that the construction industry um, needs to like move towards a more collaborative and transparent um, environment in order for it to kind of disprove some of these misconceptions? Yeah.
1: I mean, we're already kind of collaborative. I'd say it has to be more, I thought there should be more transparency be, between the designer or designer and the end user. I always find that to be the most challenging, um, you know, we'll do a, a hospital project and the designer, the engineer will be hired, but he's never even talked to the doctor. Who's going to have that office. I'm like, did you guys even talk? And then there's massive change orders because the doctor or the end user isn't happy with their, their office space or their operating. I around.
0: love that you're saying this. This is like my, this is my being like the reason I am a Bimmer. Is because yeah. for the, like, I would say the first time in history, uh, we can still have the end users uh, voice heard in the design phase in like a virtual reality experience, which means construction happens with less change orders because we've already verified, like, I've heard this when I've gone to some of the commercial conferences is like, you know, the operating theater, you know, if you're building hospitals and you need um, staff in a room and a doctor that needs to, like, have measured steps between, you know, this part of the procedure to the other part of the procedure, I think it's so exciting to kind of really put, um, to create that cohesion in the Absolutely.
1: design phase. And your construction costs are going to be so much lower when you involve all the end users in the pro- in the design planning phase before you even hit construction, you will save so much more money, headaches, and, you know, you might be able to even eliminate some things that you thought you needed. And, you know, they might not want those. So I, I love it.
0: I love that you said that. I totally agree. That seems to be like a major theme. Um, so what would you, what advice would you give for those looking to get into the construction field?
1: Um, so do it. I think we both agree, just just go in and, and just just do it. Um, and as far as if you feel like you need training, I, I guess it all depends on what you're looking to do. Um, can you get into construction without a college degree? Absolutely. Um, you definitely can. You can get in with a high school diploma. Um, it's just a matter of which path you're going to get into. Are you going to be in the field and, and get field experience? Because I, I tend to think that tends to be the best way um uh, I see a lot of people who go to school and they just read textbooks and then they go and work in an office and they they don't get that field experience so it's really hard to look at a set of plans and visualize what you're building or estimating until you actually get out there and get your hands dirty and I'm I'm so blessed that I was able to get out in the field with my internships and really experience get some real life experiences to see you know the, the trenches that they're building for these, you know, sewer systems. And, you know, I got to see them install roads and sidewalks. And just looking at plans, you don't quite grasp what is involved between all the machinery and the, the people you have there. Um, but, you know, it, it, I guess it not matter if you want to be a project manager, I think uh, at, the, at the very least, maybe an associate's degree in some sort of construction management, because they do teach you really great courses. You'll learn um, scheduling, um, basic cost estimating. Uh, I I think you took a couple AutoCAD classes as well that you mentioned. I was terrible at AutoCAD. I will be honest. Like I just did enough to get through it and I was done. I knew that I would leave it to the professionals like you because I was like, nope, don't want it.
0: I love that I love so um circling back to the role you're playing at Nawick, uh, they do have a scholarship program and we do the the fundraiser we were talking about where we, you and I met was raising yes. money for the for that and I thought what was interesting is that we have this scholarship but sometimes we don't have applicants.
1: It's crazy. We are trying to give away money. Take our money. Take our Um, money. (laughs) So throughout the whole year, NAWIC, we tried to raise money for our scholarships. And we try to award three separate scholarships. Uh, One for a high school female entering construction or engineering. Uh, One for a student who is currently already enrolled in a campus um, who is studying construction or engineering. And then we also do another scholarship for women who are in the trades, who are actually in the field. And this can go towards you know, um, their textbooks or training because they do have to get some industry training that they go to a vocational school and they'll learn um, some, you know, some basic skills, how to use measuring tapes and all that. So that just kind of goes towards their, uh, their classes and their, their uh, materials that they use. Um, but yeah, no, uh, in the past, NAWIC has struggled, or at least our chapter has struggled to even get two applicants. And just recently, um, we we had uh, several applicants to where we had to narrow it down to three. So it, it was exciting um, to see that we're growing. People are starting to learn who NAWIC is locally. Um, I know there are other chapters who are larger. I think Orlando is one of our largest chapters and in the united states (laughs) um and where are your listeners based out of again you said colorado Mm -hmm. okay so there are chapters in colorado uh one's in denver and i think the other one is in pikes peak uh, area but um there i I suggest anyone who's listening and if you're interested in construction definitely reach out go to the nawik website and you can look up chapters type in your zip code and see um See which closest chapter is near you and, and just go to a meeting. You don't have to become a member. But you can at least go and, and meet these women and encourage the young women that you know um, that, hey, this is there's a possibility to have a career in construction and there are scholarships out there to help you reach those. So um, I, I'm pretty excited and I'm, I'm really, really happy that I can actually help facilitate, you know, women entering the construction field and and raising money and awareness. Well, I'm very
0: excited about your role, even though you're only 27 days into it. I think that there's there's some big opportunity there. Um, So you've already said if people are interested in looking um, and engaging in NAWC, it's sort of just like look up your local chapter. And then my take on it is You know, if you're a business owner and uh, you're looking to support those getting into the industry, like this is a great way to, um, to build those networks. And there's a lot of corporate involvement here in our chapter. And um, I would encourage any company that's out there saying like, you know, where's, where's a good outreach or an affiliation. I think that New is a really good one.
1: Well, the value for companies to me, I find amazing is, you know, it costs a company, I think it it depends on the chapter, but I want to say it's around $240 um, average, $240 to $270 for you to be a member of NAWIC. But in return, companies get roughly $5,000 potential value. And with that, you get technical training. We have have guest speakers who come in and, and train us on certain topics that, you know, what do people want to learn? And we do, like I said, we do survey monkeys, but we do legal updates. We've had attorneys come in and and teach some of us how to read contracts like that in itself. I don't know if you ever paid for an attorney. I know I have, and they are a fortune. Um, I, I paid an attorney $250 an hour and I could not wait to get done with him. So just learning how to read your contracts and just networking, just, meeting those potential clients can be beneficial for another company. Um, so there's a lot of value into NAWIC and it's not just, you know, Hey, we're going to get together and we're just going to talk amongst women. Like we're actually out there networking. We're, we're drumming up business for our companies. So I, I think it's beneficial and, and it's a huge value for a company to invest in for their women.
0: It's, it's been a, it's been a great experience on my end. And I'm really glad that you came on. Thank you again for the time. Um, and for all
1: that you're doing. I just think it's so exciting. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, you know, this was a great opportunity, and, and again, I'm, I'm hoping that more women enter construction and, and really consider joining their local neoic chapters, and if, uh, if anyone has questions, I don't know if you're going to Post my email or anything, but I yeah, I was, was gonna ask. Know. So, are you comfortable with people reaching out through LinkedIn? Absolutely. Or? I I'm actually excited to see who's gonna reach out and from where. I'm um, hoping some local Colorado people because I travel there a lot, so that would be exciting. Go Colorado!
0: Woohoo. All right. Well, I thank you again for the time, and thanks everyone for listening.